We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 15th, 2008. And today we're going to be talking about the doctrine of blood guilt, or blood guiltiness. And uh, this is going to be a pretty extensive study. I don't probably will not be able to get this all done today. Uh, we're going to really be reading a lot of scriptures during this particular study to confirm what we're talking about. The first scripture we're going to go to is Isaiah 26, verse 20 and 21. Isaiah 26, verse 20 and 21. And in that we read, in verse 20, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Now, he's the Lord's talking to his people. Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. This is the indignation of the Lord. This is what, um, essentially the Lord is the same today, yesterday, and forever. This time is also approaching. It was when this particular uh, verse of scripture was written, and it's coming again, obviously. Then in verse 21 it says, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth, for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. And this is the crux of what we're going to be talking about today. When it talks about the earth shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. We're going to be going into that particular subject um, in death. In depth, And this has to happen when innocent blood has been shed. Particularly where there's no repentance involved um, by the chosen people of the Lord. So I'm going to be talking from, I'm going to be quoting from an article today, from a document, titled The Doctrine of Blood Guilt. And uh, this... Uh, is about it. an organization that, that writ, wrote this. Is I believe they're called Save America, and I am not saying I agree with every bit of their theology, but the essence of what they're saying I do agree with, and this is a very very important teaching, and it's a teaching that this particular type of teaching is, for the most part, not not every pulpit, but. I would say 99.9% .9 of the pulpits across the land, possibly across the world, do not discuss things like what we're going to be talking about today. Um, nevertheless, it's very, very important that we understand this particular biblical concept. So I'm just going to start reading from this uh, particular document. And this man goes on to say, It is incumbent upon me before I indict the Church of America with the doctrine of blood guilt, to declare that there are still some godly pastors and wonderful churches that dot the landscape of America. Most of them are not of significant size, nor the pastors well known, yet we beheld a genuine biblical orthodoxy and true hunger for God. They, essentially, they kind of toured America, this particular man. And then it goes on to say, there were pastors who were faithful to God's word, the church lost souls, and the and the honor of God in the midst of this perverse and wicked nation. There were, however, two specific experiences with the church that must be commented upon. I pray they will both shock you, move you, and break your heart to seek the Lord on behalf of Him. And uh, the first one deals with a typical seeker-friendly church. I will forgo mentioning any names, but this incident actually did take place. So this is his account of this particular, one particular church. And this, what I'm talking about now is more of a preface to what we're going to be getting into later in this teaching. In this particular example, the pastor and his wife had just returned from their third purpose-driven Rick Warren conference in Saddleback, California. They were energized and spoke in glowing terms concerning their trip on the West Coast. The pastor's wife shared about a prominent pastor's wife who had lost herself and her identity in the ministry and her husband. And as a result, this pastor's wife felt compelled to leave her family 
for nine months to, quote, find herself at a dude ranch. Yeah, that's pretty biblical. Of course, everyone there, except for us, thought that this was simply marvelous. The service then continued with a song, a secular song, by a man named Percy Sledge. That song, When a Man Loves a Woman. Yeah. That's what they were playing in the, in the um, sanctuary. Now, the Bible says to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of God is not in him. These types of things, and uh, the love of the Father is not in him. So this is something we want to be real careful about, and especially careful about bringing it into the church. The pastor used this particular song to launch into his teaching on Ephesians chapter 5, which reveals how a man should love his wife. This Sunday also was Communion Sunday. The ushers nonchalantly passed out the bread and the cup of the Lord. There was no mention of the meaning behind the bread and the cup. No admonishment to examine oneself before you partake of it. No distinction made between the believer and the non-believer. Now, this is very, very, very dangerous. This scenario there, from a spiritual, scriptural standpoint, we're going to look at that very shortly here, why it's so dangerous. He goes on to say, Flip Benham, our national director of Operation Rescue, became very concerned and went to one of the ladies passing out the communion elements. Flip asked her, can a non-Christian partake of the Lord's Supper? She responded, quote, we are non-denominational and, we are, and all are welcome. Now, this is, this is just a typical example of, they probably have women deacons, it sounds like, because typically the deacons are the ones that pass that out. The deacons, the Bible says, are to be the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. Okay, I've went over this in previous teachings. This is not chauvinism. This is just Bible. It's the same with a pastor or a spiritual overseer or an elder or a deacon. These are to be men, not women. Okay, so number one, they have women deacons. Number two, the women deacons that they do have, obviously one of them doesn't know her Bible at all. Because when she says we are non-denominational and, we, and all are welcome, she doesn't understand what she's saying here. And we're going to look at this, the specific verse of Scripture that deals with this. So then, this man goes on to say he, was, he wasn't satisfied with their answer. Flip went to another man, who in all likelihood was an elder in the congregation, and he asked him the same question. His answer broke my heart and brought me to tears. He said, this is regarding the, 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 uh, the Lord's Supper. This is regarding um, the question where he said, can a non-Christian partake in the Lord's Supper? Here, here was this elder's answer. Quote, ain't no big thing. It's just a chicken wing. End of quote. Now, I guess he was trying to be flippant and rhyme there. Ain't no big thing. It's just a chicken wing. And he goes on to say, a chicken wing. The Lord's broken body and his shed blood. No big thing. With a church like this, who needs the enemies of Jesus Christ? Now, that comment is just incomprehensible. You talk about having no fear of God. And, and I'm not saying that because I think I'm so much better or, or I'm Mr. Perfect or Mr. Wonderful. Or, or, or I. So let me just say, say that right off the bat. Okay, If I got what I deserved, I would get death. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood, that's the only thing I deserve. The Bible says, for we, we are all together as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Apart from Jesus Christ, our best, our best day is a filthy rag in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me just establish that right off the bat. I'm not doing this in some sanctimonious way. Um, I'm preaching this as much to myself as I would anyone else, this whole particular teaching. But you talk about irreverent If we go to um, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah five twenty six and thirty one, that when he said that, that reminded me of this. And another thing to say before we go there, 
if these people were really saved, that would say such a thing, or be so flippant, and go on week after week, and month after month, and year after year, in these types of congregations, if they were really saved, why isn't the Lord Jesus Christ chastening them? The Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if ye be without chastisement, then ye are bastards. Now that word bastard means an illegitimate son. It's not a cuss word, it's a biblical word. It's an illegitimate son. So if you're without chastisement, if you're living like the devil, and you're saved, God will chasten you. If you're living like the devil, though, and you're not being chastened, you're not his son. How could you be? Because the Bible promises that if you are His, and you're His kid, He will chasten you. And not only the chastening aspect, but think about the conscience. If they had the Holy Spirit really living inside them, and they said or did such a thing, number one, why isn't God chasing them? Number two, why is there no conviction of this sin? Why is there no conscience of this? Well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, the Holy Spirit, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What that tells me is these are the people that have given heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, they're speaking lies in hypocrisy, when, when this man says, ain't no big thing, it's just a chicken wing, that's a lie. He's speaking a lie in hypocrisy. And thus, the next consequence is he has his conscience seared with a hot iron. Why? Because he's given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And he's chosen to follow a man rather than the word of God. And the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 So, when you choose to follow a man, you bring yourself under a curse, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, according to His Word. So, I just, I wanted to state that. This is a very, very serious matter. These people are bound for hell. These people have already... You, where it talks about in Romans 1, where they've been turned over to a reprobate mind. It's, it's, it's as though they've been turned over to a reprobate mind. Their conscience has been seared. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say there's no possible way they can be saved. But you don't want to put yourself in that position. I mean, this isn't something you want to really test the waters on. I don't think anybody would want to do that. So, it's a very serious matter. Because these people, most likely, are hell-bound, and they're taking people to hell with them. The Bible says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Regarding the end times, 2 Timothy 3.13, so these, these, these people are deceived themselves, and they're deceiving others. And they're waxing, which means they're growing worse and worse. This is also relates to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says that God is going to be the one that sends this strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who receive not the love of the truth. So see, the love of the truth is really an important thing to God. You know, a lot of people argue, oh, this is, this is superfluous, or, or these types of issues are, are, are not important, or things like this. Yes, they are important. Yes, they are. The end time delusion is one of the most important things that you as a Christian need to escape. Because if you're swept up into it, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you've been swept up in the strong delusion and you do believe a lie, you're going to be damned to hell. Because you didn't receive the love of the truth. No, obviously the most important truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. That He paid our sin debt on the cross. But there's other truth that is important that is part of this strong delusion as well. And we're going to be going pretty much into all of this in depth today. Um, and probably next week.
Jesus Christ said, Take heed that no man deceive you. He also said in Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of what? Men. All this stuff that's going on with, with, with the televangelists and TBN and the Lakeland Revival and Todd Bentley and all these things that we've been talking about and that we do talk about every week, all of that stuff is the tradition of men. Now granted, they're seducing spirits and doctrines of devils behind these traditions of men. But this is why you have to cling to the word of God. You have to cling to the word of God. That's the only thing you can trust. I tell people, don't even trust me. Check out what I'm saying with the word of God. That's why we're going to be looking extensively today to see plainly what the word of God says in regard to this. But... Colossians 2.8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. That's what's going on in the vast majority of, of you know, the, the whether it's the TV ministries or, or the, the pulpits, pulpits of America and, and elsewhere. Philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Now the Bible also says in Matthew 24, 23 and 24, Jesus Christ said this, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. You know, how many times I heard watching these, these uh, particularly the, the charismatic or the Pentecostal movement, which is what I came out of, so I believe I'm, I'm qualified to make a, a judgment in this particular area. I have walked in those shoes. To, to render a judgment there and compared it to a scripture. But if any man say you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. How many times I've heard, oh, Jesus Christ appeared to me, or he appeared bodily on stage, or this or that. That's dangerous stuff. Then it says, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. All I have to do is point to Lakeland, right now, Todd Bentley. I mean, there's so many unbiblical things going on up in there. So many unbelievably flagrant, unbiblical things. We've documented that in the previous teachings. And it appears they're showing great signs and wonders. In so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The biggest warning Jesus gave in regard to the end times was to be not deceived. He kept saying it over and over. So this is something I think we want to pay attention to. So if we go back to the study here, this uh, Flip Benham he waited until the church then emptied to confront the pastor. So he's confronted one of their their deaconesses who's passing out the Lord's Supper and then he confronted an elder. Now he's going to go to the pastor. Okay, now remember, if the head is sick, the whole body's going to be sick, right? So when you have a pastor that's corrupt, when you have a pastor that's a hireling, what does it say about the hireling? That he has no true love for the sheep. Does he love them enough to tell them the truth? There's another Bible verse that relates to this in Galatians 4.16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? If somebody's getting mad about this particular teaching today, and they're just getting mad for the sake of being mad, well, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That happens all the time. With, with people, I mean, I would say 95% of the feedback that I get is positive. But I have about a 5%, you know, where, where people are hopping mad. And a lot of times they'll try to attack something that's, it's like straining at gnats and swallowing camels. Because they didn't like something that I said. They didn't like some truth that I put out. And, you know, hey, if, if it's not truth, just refute it. Please refute it. So much of the time, things are so blatantly obvious and flagrant in the end times we're living in, 
my job, in essence, does become quite easy in some aspects because it's so easily documentable, these types of things. If we go further, so this flip waited until the church emptied to confront the pastor. The sweet, kind, gentle pastor who preached such a syrupy message mere minutes ago flew into a tirade. He accused Flip of an evil, hidden agenda. Now, I've seen this devil rear its ugly head many, many a time. And it's called an accusing spirit. And here's how it operates. When somebody that is guilty of something like this pastor was, of so many things, rather than humble themselves and seeking God's face and and admitting they were wrong, rather than do that, no, no, that will not happen most of the time. Because of the pride. So what happens is, now this isn't just with, with this particular, this happens a lot, this has happened to me many, many times. When somebody that is guilty and has hardened their heart and is not willing to humble themselves, and typically is full of pride, when somebody like that is confronted, particularly when particularly when this type of scenario is in play, where you where you have what they would possibly call religious spirits are at play, they will try and do everything to get the spotlight off themselves and onto the person that's questioning them or their authority. That's how they operate. Now, this can be this can be in a multitude of different scenarios. I've seen this play out in a lot of different ways, but the first thing this pastor did, this this one that had just preached this nice syrupy sweet message, the first thing he did is flew into a tirade, and then he accused Flip of having an evil hidden agenda. This particular man that was asking him about the. Uh, the Lord's Supper, which is an honest biblical question. Because he knew he was wrong, deep down. But these accusing spirits, and I'm telling you, these are spirits. Remember, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. That's where our true battle is. These spirits will come to the surface when these people have been exposed. It's a defense mechanism. It's a demonic defense mechanism. Because you are dealing with the Spirit, knowing that, and that is where our battle is actually at. These are things that if you deal with these types of things, you need to either pray, preemptively before you confront such people, or pray for them in such a way that that their eyes be opened. They need a incredibly healthy dose of the fear of God. These type of people have no fear of God at all. None. They fear man. That's about it. And the Bible says that the fear of man bringeth a snare. So then Flip told him that this had nothing to do with their particular ministry. See, he's trying to get the spotlight off himself onto this other, onto this uh, Flip guy. But he brought it back, the argument back to where it should be. And he said, this has nothing to do with our ministry. This had to do with an elder, a leader of the church, who treated the blood of the covenant as a trivial, cheap, meaningless ritual. Now with that, the pastor grew silent. Now, praise the Lord. The Bible says, in 2 Peter 2.17-19, that these are wells without water. Clouds... Now, I mean, when you go to a well, if you're, let's say you're in the desert and you go to a well and there's no water in it, well, it's worthless. It's just a facade. You're not going to get your thirst quenched. You're not going to get what you need to live. Well, that's what these types of churches are. You're not going to need what you get, what, you're not going to get what you need to spiritually survive. Wells without waters, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. 
But when they speak great swelling words of vanity, well, we had just found that this man just preached a nice syrupy message, which is exactly what goes on in most churches. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, vanity has to do with pride. And, and most of these pastors, or whether they're male or female, are full of pride. And pride is probably the most deadly, wicked thing that you can fall into. Because pride, unlike a lot of other sins, totally blinds you. It blinded Satan. Because of his beauty, it said he was lifted up. And because of his merchandise. I believe in Ezekiel. And then he said, and then I shall ascend unto the, you know, heaven. I will be like the Most High. He became blind and obviously pretty delusional. He was saying that he was going to be greater, essentially, than God, his creator. And then we know the result of that. He fell on a third of the angels. Fell with him. So, when they speak swelling words of, words of vanity... When you have a preacher that's in, um, teaching vanity or pride, and if they're full of vanity and pride, that same spirit is going to permeate through the congregation. And when that does, they themselves become blind as well. Remember, if the head is sick, the body's going to be sick too. The pastor is supposed to be the head of the church. Jesus Christ over the pastor. And I understand that Jesus Christ is our head. Okay, but this is from a church standpoint I'm talking about. So, these great swelling words of vanity, which everybody loves to hear. They want to get their ears tickled, most people. And then it says, they allure through the lust of the flesh. So, alluring is attracting in an almost a seductive way. It's what we're getting in most modern day churches. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. This is why I tell people, in, in all good conscience, you know, they, I get emails, not all the time, but sometimes, and they're like, well, I'm in this church, and this is going on, and this is going on, but I feel like maybe I should stay in it to try to change it from the inside out. I, I don't see Bible for that. I really don't. Um, through much wantonness, those that were clean, it says, escaped them who live in error. The Bible says, an heretic after the second and third admonition reject. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Wherefore, come out from among her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her plagues. Those are just various Bible verses I just read. So I just don't see Bible for staying in that because if you stay in this particular situation in a church that's doing these particular types of things or not preaching, you know, the truth, of whom a man is overcome the same as he is brought into bondage. So you're going to be overcome by this. Same holds true if you got TBN on 24-7 or Sky Angel. You're not going to be able to receive this type of teaching that we're talking about today. It's going to be offensive to you. You're going to get angry. Because you have no love for the truth anymore. You've been, you've been swept up by vanity and wantonness. And, you, and the, the lusts of the flesh. But the Bible says to escape those who live in error. This is why we do what we do at this particular um, current event in Bible study. We've tried to escape from those that are living in error. There's not one church in our area. I get emails all the time. Where can I go to church? What I, I don't know what to tell them. If they're a man, and um, they're right with God, start your own home Bible study every week. There's not a whole lot more I can tell people anymore. This is, we are in the midst of the great falling away. Which, you know, all it does is confirm scripture, so don't let that upset you and get you down. It really makes the Bible come alive. But it's overwhelming for a lot of people for them to look around and see how every... The, the church is in total delusion. Totally blinded for the most part. 
and they get down about that because they, they, they just, it's too overwhelming. But it's what the Bible said was going to happen. Let it do the exact opposite to you. And purpose it in your heart that no matter how bad it gets, you're not going to give up on God. The Bible says, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, I'm not talking about salvation by works. But I'm talking about if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, you have all you need to get through with whatever you have coming your way. Work for Jesus Christ, work for the apostles, work for the martyrs. The Holy Spirit that lives inside you will give you everything you need and equip you. But you have to have the faith to believe that as well. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So if you want to build your faith, you've got to expose and avail yourself to the Word of God. So Jeremiah 5.26, oh hold on, is that where we're at right now? I believe it is, yeah. Jeremiah 5.26 and 31. No, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead here. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me finish the verse we were at. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from those who live in air. And then it goes on to say, while they promise them liberty... They themselves are the servants of corruption. So these pastors that go and have these types of congregations where people think it's, it ain't no big thing, it's just a chicken wing, and, and yeah, anybody can partake in the Lord's Supper, and, it's, and that's, just one, that's just one issue. These types of pastors, or, or whatever they call themselves, prophets or apostles or whatever, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. That's how the devil operates. Oh yeah, it's going to be great, this and that. If, if Satan can appear as an angel of light, it's no marvel that his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness. So it's ironic. They promise them liberty, but they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought into bondage. Now, we've said that verse before. That's why I'm saying, if, if you're in one of these churches, and, and you're being overcome, you're going to be brought into bondage. You just can't stay in these churches and not be affected. I know, because I've been there and done it. And I was affected. In a negative way. You know, if you're in your typical 501c3 church, that's yoked up with the government... And under the authority of the IRS, you're in a corporation who got its right to exist from the government and from the Internal Revenue Service. Where is that? In the, where's Bible for that? Thou shall be yoked up with the government? Well, if they gave that church the right to exist, which they did, when that church went to them for their 501c3 status, when they, went, when they did that, they brought themselves into bondage to the government voluntarily and willingly. It's not the government's fault. It's not the, that's not the IRS's fault. They chose to yoke themselves up. Why? Well, what, so they could get their tax-exempt subsidies and, and that people could write off their, their donations and tithes on their taxes? How's that biblical? The Bible says, when you give alms, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And if you don't do it that way, verily you have your reward. When you give to be seen among men, verily you hath your reward. When you give to be, write it off on your taxes, verily you hath your reward. You got to write it off on your taxes. But you'll, you'll receive no reward at the judgment seat of Christ. That will be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. Guaranteed. Not gold, silver, and precious stones. You don't give in such a way to be seen among men. Now, God knows your heart, but still, you don't give to be seen among men. And that's the, a lot of times, those two reasons I gave are the reasons that, that people give. Seen among men and write it off on their taxes. So, this is just a very dangerous thing to, 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 to put yourself in here. Okay, so with that, let's go to another Bible verse. Jeremiah 5, 26 
through 31. Jeremiah 5, 26 through 31. And it says, For among my people, now this is God talking, for among my people, which would pretty much apply to, you know, we could apply this message to us this day, if you're a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside you, you're His child, for among my people are found wicked men. Well, that's what we're talking about today, right? So far. They lay wait. What do these wicked men do? They lay wait. As he that setteth snares. What's a snare? It's a trap. They set a trap. They catch men. They catch men? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses. Whose houses? These wicked men. They catch men. Their houses are full of what? Deceit. Full of deceit, yeah. Deceit, deception, lying. That's what they are. They're, that's what their houses are full of. Well, when you go to a church that's corrupted, which is the case for the vast majority, as I said, just the 501c3 issue alone. And I've had a lot of people ask me and request my, uh, have a Word document called Satan's Master Plan to Destroy the Church. Just email me, I'll email it to you. It's also an attachment to several of the sermons. Most of, this, uh, most of the teachings that I do, just so everyone knows, I do have a PDF file that goes with most of them. And that PDF file gives you all the documentation for a particular teaching that I've done. Um, now, some of them I only have a link that you can click on within there. And some of the time, that's the only thing I can appropriately put up there. But, um, you can also do keyword searches for any particular subject that you're looking for. I have a little box on my homepage. It says a search box. Just put in one or two words of a subject you might be looking for. And it'll, it'll show you all the sermons that I have that would pertain to that subject. Like, let's say, Benny Hinn. Okay? Type that in the keyword box and it'll bring up all the, the sermons where I've talked about that. I, I've, I just got done updating all the keywords, so I, I think it's pretty complete at this point. So, going back to this, as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. Now, the extreme example of this you think about is like with the, uh, the televangelists. These, these multi, multi-million dollars, they got their mansions like Paul Crouch. And, and I apologize, the other day I put out some, some teachings with some videos, 103 videos that went through different televangelists or prosperity preachers, like Paul Crouch. It, there was two videos on his gay sex scandal with that Lonnie Ford guy, that his black chauffeur driver that he had an affair with. And it's documented. It was on the regional news. But amazingly, those teachings were removed within a 12-hour period of me sending that email out. The, 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 um, the owner of that of those videos, remove them off YouTube within a 12-hour period after I sent out that email. One of them was on Reinhard Bunke, and I watched that one, um, and started watching the Paul Crouch ones. I've already seen the documentation on that. But the one on um, Reinhard Bunke, it showed how the, the first night of this particular crusade, supposedly where all these people are getting healed, 15 people got trampled to death that first night. 15 people died. And they didn't get rose again. <laughs> like they're, they're claiming that these people are getting... And then, then they were showing these people, interviewing them before they would go up on stage. And it, they had to meet all these criteria. And so many of these people were not healed at all. And they couldn't pass that particular test. It's just one big manipulation ploy is how they work. But I, I apologize about that. There's nothing I can do. The, the man removed the uh, 103 of these teachings within a 12-hour period. I, I was dumbfounded, but that's what happens sometimes. So, going back to Jeremiah, their houses are full of deceit, therefore they are become great and waxen rich. Bible says this. These people, the men that are full of deceit, it says that they have become great and waxen rich. So don't marvel that, that if you have these prosperity preachers that appear very prosperous, the Bible says that they're going to be that, that way. Okay, don't think because they're prosperous like most people assume, that means that they're of God. The Bible said the Son of Man had nowhere to even lay his head. 
Jesus Christ didn't even have, you know, a place to lay his head. He wasn't walking around with all kind of, you know, big money and all this other stuff. The martyrs, the apostles, they weren't either. But these modern day prosperity preachers are. And then it says, they are waxen fat. Yea, they shine, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. In the right of the needy do they not judge. And then he, God goes on to say, Shall I not visit for these things? Shall I not visit these people for these things? Saith the Lord, Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Well, if any nation would qualify in that regard, it's America. Oh, he's going to be avenged on this nation. It's just a matter of time. Truly, the Lord Jesus Christ is long-suffering and merciful. Because this nation should have been virtually wiped out probably a long time ago. And we're going to be talking about the blood, that's the innocent blood crying out from the land today. We haven't even really got to that yet. And then it goes on to say, A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. Oh, imagine that. Isn't it, are we getting quite a bit of that now? we got the Todd Bentleys and the Charismatics and the Pentecostals in particular. What are they doing? They're prophesying falsely. Why? Well, how could you say that? Well, just look at the fruit, the unbiblical fruit of these particular crusades and things of this nature, which we've documented in past teachings. Can't even, we don't have time to go down that rabbit trail. But it said that in this environment that the prophets will prophesy falsely and the priests will bear rule by their means. Well, just think of the priests as the pastors. They're bearing their own rule by whose means? By God's means? No, by their own means. By their means. They're doing it their way. There, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. They're being ruled by their own heart. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9. And before that, I quoted Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25. So, this is what they're doing. Prophets prophesy falsely and the, and the priests, in this regard, we could say the pastors, bear rule by their means. And here's the crux of it. And my people love to have it so. The ones that call themselves Christians love to have it so. The ones that have their TBN on and their Benny Hinn and, and their Todd Bentley and get their ears tickled and get their false prophecies, they love to have it that way. And then it says, and what will, we, will you do in the end thereof? The thing you have to ask yourself, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, is if these... All these supposed prophets and apostles and all these particular TV ministries, if they were really hearing from God, and all they'd have to do is open up their Bible to hear from God. Well, if they had a King James Bible, but they're reading some perversion. If they would just open up their Bible and get into that. But see, the problem is, is the prince of this world has blinded their eyes that they cannot see anymore. They're, they're blind through the vanity and the lying deceit. They've chosen to have their ears tickled. And the philosophy of men. And vain deceit. All these things that we've mentioned. And many of them have been given over to a reprobate mind and have given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Which is the way the Bible clearly predicted it would be in the end. They've, they've, they've chosen to do all this so that they're blind. But if these apostles and these prophets and all these particular people in these movements, if they were really hearing from God... Or let's say they have their tongues, and, you know, the tongues interpretation comes, and it's always some, usually some blessing. If the Holy Spirit were really speaking through these men, and through these supposed prophets, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit be abrading and rebuking the body of Christ for its sin-sick state? Why wouldn't He be rebuking instead of blessing, and telling them that you're going to be whatever, and you're, you're mighty men and women of God, and these and types of things. 
Why would God omit the weightier matters and choose to strain at gnats and swallow camels? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. See, that, all you have to know is that to know they're, they're, they're liars. Repentance would be the first thing that would be emphasized. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance is the first thing. Repentance also implies reverence and fear of God. I mean, if you really truly repent and fear God, you're going to want to repent, right? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear Him. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, To whom this, this man is, will I look? To him is of a meek and a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. That's who God's going to pay attention to. That's who He's going to look to. A meek and a contrite spirit. Humbling themselves before God. No, these people don't humble themselves. They don't have a humble bone in their body. And my people love to have it so. The prophets prophesy falsely. That's what they're doing. All the stuff... With the, 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 the greatest example I've ever seen is what's going on up in Lakeland right now. Prophesying falsely. You know, come and get your third wave blessing... Lies from the pit of hell. Todd Bentley, I just wonder how many people are going to be responsible for going to hell. How much blood is going to be required at his hands for the deceit that that devil is teaching. Convicted child molester. Convicted. Spent 18 months in jail. Documented. Raped a 7 year old boy. Sexual assault. Documented. Tattoos from head to toe. Piercings. Said he heals many times by... One lady said he kicked in the face. The Holy Spirit told him to kick her in the face. Punched another guy in the gut. Leg dropped the pastor. I'm not making this stuff up. It's getting so flagrant and so insane out there. And my people love to have it so. I'm not talking about the people listening to this broadcast right now, okay? But I'm saying for the most part. And I was caught up in the whole charismania thing. I, I, I admit I came out of that. But the Lord did convict me to finally get out of it. And when I really started getting my eyes open is when I, when I yielded to the fact that the King James Bible was the Word of God. That's when my eyes started to become open. And then it was all of a sudden I'm like looking around and I'm thinking... Even the NIV says we shouldn't be doing this. I'm telling you, it was that big of a deal for me. A lot of people have also asked me about those 20 hours of tapes that I watched after I came out of the Pentecostal movement. Unfortunately, they're not available anymore. And, you know, it goes along with what happened uh, a couple nights ago when these 103 videos up on the internet got removed off YouTube. 103! Now, I don't know, maybe the guy will put them up again. If they do, I'll, I'll send them out. But this type of material tends not to stay up very long. It's suppressed. These people have a lot of money, and they have a lot of power. And they can throw it around if they so choose. And this guy probably got leaned on. Like when the mob leans on you. <laughs> this guy probably got leaned on. And was forced to remove these videos. Probably maybe got threatened with a big lawsuit. I don't know. Um... But those 20 hours of, of videotape that, that I do have, these tapes, but the problem is, is they're copies of copies. So I couldn't even copy them if I wanted to. The, the, the quality would be too degraded. But as God is my witness, I've seen those things. And it's ironic because I had about another 8 or 9 people that had come out of the Pentecostal church with me. They all saw them too. And they all yielded to the King James Bible. But you know what? Within one to one and a half years, every single one of them were back in that mess. Every one of them. As far as I knew. Because the allure through the lust of the flesh and the seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils are so strong in the charismatic Pentecostal movement that it's very, very hard to break free from. That's not an excuse for them. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm better. But it did happen. It's, they're that strong. 
These are very powerful spirits. And sometimes when you're praying for somebody like this, I've had prayer requests, well, what do I do? What do I do about this? You know a no-brainer thing you can do in every situation that you're having? It doesn't matter what problem you're facing. Praying and fasting. Fasting supercharges prayers. And there's certain demonic entities that will not come out but by prayer and fasting according to what Jesus Christ said. Now, if you have an NIV, that verse is removed. So you'll never know it was even in there. The NIV has removed 64,098 words compared to the King James Bible. That's almost 10% of the total text. Hmm, I wonder where those translators were tithing those 10% of the Word of God to. Was it to God? Would they tie the Word of God to God and take it out? When the Bible says, in the end of Revelation, it says that if you you know take out of the, the words of the book of this prophecy, I will remove your name out of the book of life. I don't really want to mess around with that. You talk about not having a fear of God. Or if you add to these words of the book of this prophecy, I will add unto you the plagues in this book. I don't want to mess with that either. So just stick with the word of God. Stick with the King James Bible. I'm telling people, do not become yoked up with 501c3 ministries. I truly believe that when you put yourself under that yoke and that mantle, of whom a man has overcome, the same he has brought into bondage. And it's a spiritual thing that people don't see. The pastors don't see it. Oh, it's harmless. We just have our, we're just, you know, operating under the rule of law in the United States. No, you don't have to be under that rule. You don't have to be a 501c3 entity to have a church. I'm not one. I don't call myself a church. But there is a way you can do it. And I tell you, I, there's books written on how to do it. I refer people to, to Dr. Greg Dixon in his book, The Trail of Blood Revisited, and he, he works with a lady named Barbara Cate that helps churches to get out of these this bondage. And it is a bondage. And you don't see it because you're in it. You're, you're, you're too close to the forest to see the trees. And there's a spiritual dynamic that happens to the church when you do that that defiles the church and has defiled the church ever since this started happening around the 1930s to 1940s. And I know church and corporation, you could probably trace it back further. I'm talking about mainstream. It's that big of a deal. Just like the King James Bible issue is that big of a deal. The King James Bible is the Word of God. It's the foundation. The Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, if our foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? If we're, if we're reading a polluted word, don't you think that's going to affect you spiritually? I know it did me. And I have a, a King James defense packet that I can also send you in word format if you'd like me to do that. And again, that is attached in PDF form to many of my, my teachings as well. So let's go further now. So, this is going back to the story where this particular man confronted, he ended up confronting the pastor. And then he goes on to say, we, we pray he rebuked the elder, the elder that said this remark about the chicken wing, and this deaconess, which is unbiblical, and will instruct the congregation to be more reverent with the Lord's table in the future. They must be reminded of the Apostle Paul's warning. And this is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 through 32. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 through 32. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. This is not a light matter, taking the Lord's Supper. If you partake of it unworthily, and I don't think there's any more, more flippant way you could partake of it unworthily when saying it ain't no big thing, it's just a chicken wing. Whatever that means... But that's about as flippant and irreverent as you could get, I'd say. That person is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has accounted the blood of the covenant as some trivial thing. That is the same blood, that is the only blood that can save your souls. That is it. It's the only blood that can cover your sins. Not by the blood of goats and bulls, 
but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are saved. He has counted that as a very trivial thing, obviously. Then it goes on to say, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That's not a real fun statement there. So it says, but let a man examine himself. Prior to taking the Lord's Supper, you examine yourself. You confess your sins before the Lord. You forgive those that have sinned against you. Because if you don't do that, you will not be able to obtain mercy yourself. He that showeth mercy shall obtain mercy. You ask the Lord Jesus Christ to cover your sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His shed blood. That's what, when you examine yourself. For this cause, many are weak. Okay, now because this hasn't happened properly, because people at this particular time of this writing, because they had not examined themselves, because they had partaken of the Lord's Supper unworthily, because of that, what was the result? Many are weak and sickly among you. So in other words, some people that are weak and sick in the church, it's purely because of this. Not everybody, but some. They're weak and sick, and many sleep. That means they've, they've died. Many sleep. They were so weak and sickly, they ended up dying. Most likely prematurely, because they had, just because of this one thing. Now, how many times have you heard a sermon preached on this? But it's right here in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. When it says many sleep, and I should clarify that, that, that is another way of saying they've died. Then it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Man, I'll tell you what. I take great comfort in that verse. This is part of examining yourself, obviously. We judge ourselves. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. See, preachers like like what we just talked about above, where this guy went into a tirade, and that guy that said the chicken wing thing. See, they're not judging themselves. They're not doing that. If you want the judgment seat of Christ, which is where... The Bible-believing, born-again believers will end up being judged. If you want that to be a much more pleasant place, you better start judging yourselves in this life. In this life. What does that also imply? Humbling yourself. How could you judge yourself and not humble yourself before the Lord? How is that possible? Well, I judge myself, but bless God, I found out myself to be pretty pretty clean. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty okay with God. Oh man, that's scary. That's pride. That is really pride. The Bible says that the thought of foolishness is sin in Proverbs. The thought of foolishness is sin. So these people, a lot of these people go around thinking, oh, you know, I'm right with God. I, I don't, I'm not sinning. I'm not doing anything. One goofy thought in your mind qualifies as sin in God's eyes. So there's many sickly among you, many weak, many sleep. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. I mean, the Apostle Paul said, Oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I want to do, that I don't do. And the things that I should do, that I do not. Now, that doesn't give us a license to sin. Should we sin that grace may abound? No. Use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Okay, but the bottom line is we are going to battle the flesh till the day we die. And just because you're saved doesn't mean you're going to walk around in sinless perfection. So let me temper that with that as well. Because I don't want this to be something that, you know, we, we need to have biblical balance here. It doesn't give us an excuse to go around and live in like the devil though.
But if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's when we. That's one of the times we. Ju- we need to judge ourselves every single day, every single day in prayer. When we go to the Lord, and all the time. Then it says, "But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord." So, when God does judge us in this life, we're chastened of the Lord. This is talking about a believer. Remember, it says, "If you be without chastisement, which is punishment, then you're bastards." But when we are judged by God, we are chastened of the Lord. The Lord's chastening. I never understood that until I got into a Baptist church, and, and I, I, although it was in the, in the Bible. But I wasn't seeing it. Chastening of the Lord is a good thing. You're his kid. He's spanking you. He loves you. And then it says, We are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. See, you want to be chastened with the Lord. So that you're not condemned with the world. So that you be not partakers of her plagues. And again, that portion of scripture was 1 Corinthians 11, 27-32. So then he's going to go on, and um, he's going to talk about the next incident. The next incident involves a church we visited to ask permission to use their parking lot to stay for the night. Once the senior pastor found out who we were, now this Operation Rescue, evidently they go around and they're very, very, um, they're, they're, I think their main thrust is stopping abortion, which is very noble. Um... But again, we want to do it biblically, because there's a lot of Catholics that do the same thing. And in fact, most of the time you'll go by abortion clinics, there's more, more than not, you're going to see Catholics instead of Christians out there. Which is really sad. But, um... When this pastor found out who they were, Operation Rescue, the form of his visage changed. Meaning his countenance changed. Evidently, he had a real axe to grind against this ministry. He erupted with a barrage of disparaging accusations. Doesn't this sound like the last pastor we just talked about? Disparaging accusations which accumulated in this incredible statement. He told Bill that we were worse than abortion. End of quote. Worse than abortion. And they're trying to stop abortion. And they're crying out against it. And they're praying against it. And this man of the cloth this false shepherd said that this ministry was worse than abortion. The Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. I see a lot of this anymore. And a lot of it, most of it, the most flagrant examples of these, I see in the church. They're calling good evil and evil good. When Todd Bentley says, The Holy Spirit told me that the reason she hasn't been healed is because you haven't kicked her in the face with your biker boot. And that's a quote. That is calling good evil and evil good. And when he says the Holy Spirit told him to do it, it sounds like blaspheming the Holy Spirit to me. When you attribute something evil to the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible says in Titus 1.15-16, through 16, it says, Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. So this would, this would apply to people like Todd Bentley and these pastors that we've talking about. They're defiled and they're unbelieving. Nothing is pure to them, but their mind and their conscience are defiled. You've got to be defiled to say a lot of the things that, that come out of these preachers' mouths. And it says they profess that they know God. They profess they know God. But in works they deny Him. See, by their fruit ye shall know them. By their fruit ye shall know them. In works, see, they deny Him. They can go up there all day long and talk about how wonderful Jesus is and this and that. But in works they deny Him. And we've just given you some examples of those types of works. But in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient. They're disobedient to the word of God. 
And unto every good work, reprobate. Like the Bible talks about reprobate silver. It's rejected. It's reprobate. Every good work. Every good work that they supposedly do is, is a stench in God's nostrils. It's reprobate in His eyes. It reminds me of a Catholic who's trying to earn his way to heaven through the seven sacraments and all the other junk that they do. Homage to Mary, praying to this, doing that. Or Hinduism or Buddhism or any of these things. And every good, seemingly good work that they appear to do is a filthy rag in God's eyes. Because it's apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know like that Bible, not the Bible verse, but that saying the road to hell is paved with good intentions? It's true. It is very true. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And all false religions, you can boil it down to pretty much that. He who trusteth it in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. So, that kind of reminded me of this pastor, that particular Bible verse. I'm going to go ahead and end... Um, no, I'm going to read this next part and then we'll end it. Imagine that. A ministry that has been beaten, now this is their ministry, this Operation Rescue, has been beaten, arrested, imprisoned, fined, and maligned, yet the Lord has used and has, has used to save thousands of lives, shut down abortion mills, and led many to the saving grace and knowledge of the Lord. They're calling that ministry worse than abortion? Yeah, that's what they did. That's what this guy did. And again, what is this? It's an accusing spirit that is emanating and operating in this pastor. But the accusing spirit doesn't come out unless he's cornered. Then the accusing spirit comes out and tries to take the spotlight off his own guilty self and put it on the other person. I hate that. That's there, There's that expression, the pot calling the kettle black. That's what this is. I've noticed a lot of people operate in that. I don't think there's anything that, that angers me more than that. Righteous indignation. The Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. So, anger is actually an attribute of the Lord. But we just want to make sure that it's, you know, biblical righteous indignation. Now, Bible says in Matthew 12.37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, I'm preaching this sermon as, you know, I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect. As I've said before, but that is a pretty scary statement. By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. When this man said that, that this ministry is worse than abortion, I'll tell you what, that, that's a scary um, a position that he's putting himself into. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, end the first part here, and we'll go to part two next.